0: through yoga we're not changing ourselves we're just uncovering things we already have it by birth we have a lot of things which are hidden in us a lot of potentials and we want to unlock them through yoga that's the whole point of yoga
1: my conversation with max Pranich, a yoga teacher from Montenegro, was fascinating as we discussed the distinction between real yoga and what is often now referred to as yoga. Max comments on the global yoga supermarket and how yoga can be treated now like a hamburger. I'm sure that this conversation will be one that will give you lots of food for thought. So if you're looking to tune into a podcast episode that's all about yoga in Montenegro, then this is the conversation for you. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Wild Yoga Tribe podcast. I'm your host, Lily Allen Duenas. Together, we'll talk about the world of yoga and we'll talk to people from around the world. Before diving into the episode, I wanted to invite you to head on over to my Patreon account. I would love your support and I'm thrilled to have this beautiful community space where we can do yoga together, meditate together, and you'll get access to exclusive content. Get ready for some private Zoom Q&As, free printable art, meditation recordings, and more. Follow the link in the show notes to get started or head on over to any of my social media channels or my website wildyogatribe.com to hang out, get to know each other better and find out more about all the support and resources available to you. Ready to dive in? Let's get started. Namaste family and welcome back to the Wild Yoga Tribe podcast. Today, I am so excited to welcome Max Pranish onto the show today. He's a yoga teacher from Montenegro who has over 20 years of experience practicing and teaching internationally. Max teaches Hatha yoga and incorporates elements of Kriya and Raja yoga, and he also teaches traditional Indian Tantra Yoga. So I am so excited to talk to Max, hear his story, and to dive into his teaching methodologies and philosophies. So thank you so much, Max, for being on the show with me today.
0: Hi, nice to meet everyone online. Thank you. Thanks for inviting. Yeah. So Max, I would love to hear about your story, how
1: yoga first came into your life, how did it fall on your radar, and what got you interested in becoming a teacher?
0: Here, we, I believe we should first clear the terminology because people call different things yoga. And for me, yoga is basically a sadhana, as they say in Sanskrit. And that's any practice connected to body, mind, this kind of physiological practice. So if we see it this way, then I can say I've been interested quite longer than I teach Indian traditional yoga because I've been doing a bit of karate, a bit of kung fu a bit of Zen meditation before I went into yoga. Because these days, usually when they say yoga, they see asana practice. Again, as I said, it depends how you see it. But if speaking of more traditional yoga, then I've been doing it over 20 years and teaching as well. First of all, I was just doing it for myself. So as I had some experience before in martial arts and It shares basic philosophy, concept of qi or prana. In Indian tradition, it's prana. In Chinese tradition, it's qi or qi energy. So we work with energy, we don't work just with muscles. I've been also studying some philosophy before, some Western philosophy. Then I got interested in Eastern philosophy and different streams of that. And Indian philosophy definitely has a huge depth and Big history and then it got I got into practice I met some right teachers, some Western teachers, but then I was lucky to meet some real Indian teachers and that's I think where my insight into yoga happened really
1: yeah Max, I would love to hear more about your experiences studying with these accomplished Indian masters and these schools and how those experience also shaped your understanding of yoga as
0: genuine yoga or real yoga? I was lucky enough to meet some right teachers, I believe. Coming to India first time, it was in the beginning of the thousands. I had some hints where to look into, where to go. And then later, I was more lucky to meet the real teachers who became my teachers. But first, I spent some time in different, in a couple of ashrams. For example, Shivananda Ashram in South Kerala. To be honest, I mean, it was an interesting experience, but I didn't like the system that much, to be honest, because they have their own system, like 12 asanas and a lot of Vedanta teachings and all that. Then later on, I I met my main teacher, you can say even a guru, who I've been practicing with and living with him at his house for some time. Altogether, I spent quite a few years in India not months. That was my main teacher, Sri Vagish Shastri. He passed away already. He was an old man already. He left his body. That was in Varanasi. And I was living on the Ganges. And that was quite a special experience. And he accepted me as a disciple. So that was quite an honor. And it's a responsibility for a teacher and for a disciple as well, because he was passing knowledge directly not in a group, not in a class, one-to-one, and passing a Shaktipat, that's energy transmission with mantra, and all that. So it's a very classical approach to yoga (laughs) studying. Let's put it this way.
1: Wow. I didn't know you'd spent years in India and getting to live with your guru, and that's amazing.
0: Uh Sorry to interrupt. When somebody says guru, they there is a lot of misconceptions and esoteric stuff ex- attached to it and this new agey stuff when somebody, in the West especially, some people call themselves guru. No, that's just, a guru is a spiritual teacher, basically. It's not just a, a technical teacher or a yoga instructor in a studio or like a university teacher. It is about yoga, but it is a yoga as a practice. And it's about life. As well. Yeah. All life is yoga as Sri Aurobindo, a famous saying of Sri Aurobindo, all life is yoga. It's not just on the mat, obviously.
1: Yeah. I couldn't agree more. It, It is, yoga is off the mat as well. And I know something, Max, that you're very passionate about is how yoga has spread all over and has transformed now away from what it really is. So as someone who is just deeply invested in the authenticity and the integrity of yoga as a practice, as a lifestyle, what are your thoughts on how widespread yoga is in the West and the distinction between real yoga and what is often now referred to just as yoga?
0: First of all, let me put it that I try to be dispassionate, not so passionate about anything. <laughs> That's one of the approaches of yoga, to to stay dispassionate. okay. And to kind of like to keep a philosophical mindset and attitude. I try not to put a conflict into this and not to be critical. There are all forms of practice and definitely it's widespread. And I'm glad it's widespread. It's not only in the West, it's spread in the East, not just in India. And it's all now it's popular. I saw you had some interviews even with Afghan yogis. So it's quite amazing like how it's spread. Mm, and I'm glad that it spread, but the only thing is sometimes it, with this, it became pretty shallow quite often. And it's again, I don't want to be a, a judge or a moral, boring moral guy <laughs> who says, okay, this is not right yoga. It's just for me, it's a pity that people take so little from this yoga, just from the surface, because it has such huge depths. It's usually either or. In the Western conception of yoga, it's usually a concept of yoga. is Here is yoga, yogis do asanas, and here are Buddhists, they meditate. And here, <laughs> and here are like New Age circles and esoterics, and they do something weird as well. Especially that it goes about Western Tantra. That's, really, that's the biggest misconception. And yoga is just yoga, it's just a practice. And and again you can do the same practice but make it much deeper when you do it. Because when you even starting with a physical practice with asanas, with different kriyas, movements, I'm not talking about subtle techniques, but just major balancing working in a class. I teach to very different audience. And my approaches are different as well, depending on the class, on the people I teach. Again, like you can just do even working, like I work with tourists and clients of expensive hotels. I definitely don't teach them Indian traditional tantra, right? It's more hatha classes. But still, I try to show that it's not about muscles like a fitness class, right? It's about energy flow in the body, about connecting breath movement, or static position, connecting body, breath, and mind, trying to put it together to synchronize. That's the whole point of practice. Otherwise, it's just another form of fitness. And I prefer when they come to yoga class, they do yoga. And when they come to the gym, they do fitness. And I think it complements each other as well. Nothing wrong to work with the machines, with the fitness instructor, plus now the fitness really developed a lot i have some friends fitness instructors and they teach smart fitness like understanding about all new concept about muscles and all that but the yoga is definitely not muscles only yes
1: it's definitely not just about the muscles and i do feel that often in the west can be just such the gateway I hear over and over again that students are coming to classes wanting to work on something physical, even if it is back pain. There, there is a goal that has to do with the physical body. That usually is the invitation to, how to show up to class, right? That's the reason they come. Yeah. But as it slowly unfolds and over time, and through the instruction of the teacher, hopefully, there's guidance towards those subtler layers.
0: Yeah, sometimes, quite often, people start with the body, obviously. They start with some issues, with some problems. And I always recommend to see a doctor first, though. When you have a real problem, better see the doctor. Don't start with yoga, because with yoga, you can even worsen your problem. If you come to some hatha class and there is not enough alliance, and or I would say even like ashtanga vinyasa, something like that, this uh, kind of like style, which is very dynamic and You can easily get an issue with the body, especially if you are not 20 years old anymore. And very often people come in the West, when I say in the West, around the world, not in India. When people come to yoga, usually they're not seven years old as traditionally in Brahmin families, right? From seven, from eight, they were taught yoga when they're really flexible, no issues, no stresses yet. And these days, I have a lot of students, clients who is like over 40 and over 50, when they need yoga therapy, not intense Ashtanga vinyasa or hatha. But it doesn't mean that they cannot do yoga. Yoga is Actually, we put it on our website, the saying of famous teacher Deshikachar. He's not that much maybe famous as, as Ayengar or Pataphi Joyce, but he was a son of Krishnamacharya, one of the gurus of yoga of 20th century. And basically yoga spread in the West from him. So Dishikachar, he was more into yoga therapy. And that's his saying that it sounds approximately like, let's not adjust a person to yoga, but adjust yoga to a person. So meaning you have to consider the condition this person is physically and mentally as well. And that definitely goes well with individual practice, because in a group, you cannot really work like that. You work with a group. And with such approach, when you adjust the practice to the person considering all the issues, and we all have issues, really. I haven't seen a single person without issue it builds up through our life and this is important to consider the condition to consider ayurvedic dosha a person has and the practice can be adjusted according to this that's ideally or if it's done in the group as i said that's it's just adjusting to the to the level of the people in the group physical and also like age and all that so that's important but again, there are like many more layers in yoga. And when we speak about real yoga and not real yoga, I don't like when yoga became like a hamburger, like a minced meat, simplified food. Let's put it this way. Even doing physical practice, you can work with the breath, with the mind already. And then when you go more advanced, advancing for me and for I believe any authentic yoga teacher would be not going into acrobatics and all the headstands and all that. So it's because it's not acrobatics and gymnastics and aerobics. Advancing in Indian traditional approach to yoga means going into more subtle techniques, more inner techniques, working more with the visualizations, with the breath, with the mind work. And it's not just pure meditation, it's a lot of different breathing techniques. Bandhas and all things. And quite often, teachers don't even know them these days. Yeah, that is the kind of epidemic of that, of just the asana. Instagram helps with that because (laughs) Instagram basically it's opposite of yoga because it's quite a lot of show-off in social networks.
1: So true, but also it's so hard to really photograph pranayama or bandhas in a way that would translate in a way that would be successful on that medium. I think the medium is meant for the showing off, turning bodies into pretzels type of thing. That's what the platform itself wants you to post.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's why Brahmins never wanted to popularize yoga. Brahmin, the caste, original caste where the yoga came from, not just centuries, thousands of years, they've been developing these techniques. And it was transmitted from Brahmins to Brahmins. It was quite, in the Western worldview, it would be a snobbish approach. They wouldn't give it to other castes, this knowledge, because it was a sacred knowledge. And yoga meaning not just asanas here. For
1: sure. I'm grateful that it has been given to the masses. I'm grateful that anyone and everyone can have access to this. So just the accessibility, whether it's on YouTube or whether it's at a studio, it is all over the world, which is a focus of the podcast and of just my Me being a citizen of the world, and I know, Max, you are as well, there's so much gratitude, I feel, but I do understand that it is a sacred practice that has been treated now in a way where it's not being treated as sacred anymore.
0: It's treated as a product, and we're all in the commerce of yoga in a way. We're earning a living. If you're a professional teacher, you become a commercial person, wanted or not. You participate in this global yoga supermarket, and I'm also grateful that it's open to the world, and a lot of techniques are open. And still, a lot of real deep techniques are closed. Quite many techniques are still not known by majority of even teachers, and sometimes people overlook the things. Because quite much is said, for example, if speaking about real yoga or not real yoga, let's look into the sources. I was taught by the teachers, but also they were, they were recommending me to read the sources, and i always been doing that. I've been reading quite many medieval and even ancient sources. Not just Yoga Sutras, Patanjali, but speaking about practice we do, we all do nowadays. It's more based in Hatha tradition. And then we can look into Hatha Yoga Pradipika, which is a famous mid-century text on yoga. Very influential, very important. And I would recommend to all... Teachers who are here, who would probably, quite many yoga teachers listen to your podcasts. So I would definitely recommend them to read it. Uh, not just to read some modern books, but to read the source. But uh, to read the ancient source. And you will see, it's already there. It's called Hatha Yoga Pradipika, right? It's all very well known. But it it, it has a lot of tantra there, by the way. Real tantra. Not uh, fake Western sex
1: very good point. <laughs> yes. Glad that you also brought up how Tantra has been now taken by the West and turned into something it's not. And it's very uncomfortable knowing how it's been taken and used and dismissed. Yeah, it's
0: just funny to me how, like, all these Tantrics. I mean, we have a yoga studio here in Montenegro near Kotor. It's quite popular. And sometimes mm, teachers get in contact with us and they suggest they do because probably they see something in my profile or something. I've been doing also, I teach yoga philosophy, yoga and tantra philosophy. That's also what I do online as well, uh, and offline for teachers as well, because I, I'm qualified to certify yoga teachers, and I sometimes I participate in that. Basically, they, they see this, the word tantra, and it hits the mark for them, and then they contact us, and they suggest couples and all this sexual practices, something. Let's do it in your beautiful studio, something like that. And (laughs) we always respond, no, we stick with traditional approach to Tantra. Sorry, we're not going for that. Thank you. Some other place, please. (laughs) Because actually not many yoga teachers realize that yoga is a Tantric practice. It came from Tantra directly by Garakshanath, by Matsyendranath, those famous yogis. And they are the fathers of modern yoga, you can say. Modern, like mid centuries, 10th century, that's already modern yoga. Do uh, you want to expand on that a little bit, how all yoga is Tantra? It comes from Tantra because it's it's working with, with energies. Yoga Sutra Patanjali, that's Raja Yoga, classical Raja Yoga. In yoga teacher training, they all go for this text usually. If it's a good yoga teacher training, they usually study Yoga Sutra Patanjali which is strange to me because they usually study hatha in yoga teacher training. And when I say hatha, it's, it's all. It's vinyasa, basically. It has roots in hatha. And hatha yoga is a tantric practice in itself because it comes from the concepts developed by tantra. And it's by those original yogis, rishis, of mid centuries. It was transformed from tantric practices because tantra involved a lot of ritual as well and it was a bit more kind of simplified in a way not really simplified but kind of like where they got rid of rituals and made it more like technical a bit more dry in a way i can read you hours of lectures about that but i don't <laughs> want to go too We don't deep need to dig
1: into that but thank yeah, you yeah yeah it's coming. just uh,
0: my point is that if you read hatha yoga pradipika which is uh, most of the teachers they've heard about this text and it's ha- classical Hatha yoga text. You will see a lot of Tantra there because real Tantra is basically energy work. And, and by the time it's kind of like yoga developed from there, teachers came to understanding that the approach of classical Raja yoga doesn't work. Yoga Sutras, they worked. It's really hard to work with your mind when your body is not ready. And in, in this way, it's very modern concept. Because all modern people are too stressed, too stuck with the bodies, with the minds. And first you need to unlock them, to let the energy flow. And then only you can start working with the mind. So basically a meditation, which is a integral part of yoga, it only might happen in an unlocked, purified body. If your body is blocked, no meditation will happen. And if speaking about goals of yoga, samadhi is like the eighth step of yoga is one of the main goals of yoga. Basically, you become one with yourself. First, you integrate your body, your mind, and then you get integrated with the higher energies. But that's we're not going into there. But um, I'm glad we went into it this far. I really
1: appreciate you giving that big, broad brushstroke of what you meant. And we do have a lot of yoga teachers who tune in, so I'm sure they'd find that interesting. And one other thing element I really want to ask you about, Max, is I wanted to ask you how you incorporate the element of Ananda. And just for our listeners, that would translate in Sanskrit to bliss or joy. There's no English equivalent, but that's the best we can do. Because I know that's an element of Ananda that you incorporate in your teachings and in your practice. And why do you feel that is an integral part of the authentic yoga practice?
0: There is a famous saying in Sanskrit coming from Vedas, from Rig Veda, Sat Chit Ananda. That's the concept of higher consciousness. Basically it's sat is satya, truth. Chit is the mind or or consciousness. And ananda is a bliss. That's basically the attributes of, of Shiva or One of the gods of main gods of Indian pantheon. Or I'm not going too much into esoterics. I'm just wanted to say that Ananda is a really important part because that's the attribute of our consciousness as well. Through yoga, we're not changing ourselves. We're just uncovering things. We already have it by birth. We have a lot of things which are hidden in us, a lot of potentials, and we want to unlock them through yoga. That's the whole point of yoga. It's really important to have this non-achievement attitude. Ananda doesn't come without ahimsa. Ahimsa is non-violence. That's one of yamas of yoga, a very important one, because you start with yourself. Ahimsa is non-violence in Sanskrit, non-violence. A lot of practice in the West is violent practice. We're violent towards our bodies and mind. And we want to achieve something. And that's the most difficult concept, hard to grasp for a Westerner, this non-achievement attitude. Because yoga, unlike sports, unlike fitness, unlike Olympic games, we're not achieving anything in yoga. We're just doing the practice. We're just doing sadhana, right? And through this non-achievement, We obviously achieve something. If we're regular and consistent enough, and if we have the right teacher, then we will definitely achieve something. But the attitude should be non-achievement. Because when you start to achieving, you push yourself too much and the body is not relaxed anymore. The mind is not relaxed. And when it's not relaxed, it gets blocked. So that's the whole point. And we want to unblock it. We want to stay relaxed. Even when we do some effort, I'm not saying it's effortless, right? There is some discipline in it, for sure. Yoga is a discipline. But when we are doing our formal practice on the mat, for example, we want to keep the body relaxed and only use those muscles and those breathing techniques we really need for this, not using the whole body, not using all these efforts, right? If you're not bending to the floor, I hate when teachers come and push Students, if the body is not ready, you're not ready. Just do it every day and keep going. And bit by bit, you will achieve without achievement, without this attitude. Because practice should be enjoyable. If you don't have this feeling of enjoyment after the practice, it shows that it's not a yoga you're doing. It's not exactly yoga practice you're doing. Maybe you do asana practice, but it doesn't have to be yoga asanas don't mean yoga yeah they don't mean yoga and i
1: think that's been definitely a theme of what we've been talking about in this interview is just what is real yoga and what is the yoga tradition and how can you incorporate and honor more of that in your practice or even in your perceptions right even in how you perceive yoga i love that you recommended a book I love the, the hatha yoga pradipika, which hopefully
0: everybody has. And, and yeah, it's a famous, it's available be on your idea. shelf. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, definitely. That's uh, just one, and there are many. But I'm on purpose. I'm naming the most like common and known book. So, Max, I ask this question to every teacher
1: who is a guest on the podcast: What is your personal definition of yoga? I know we have the sutras, I know we have definitions from texts to fall on and to lean on, but what is your definition? What does yoga mean to you?
0: Here, I won't be able to answer simply, but I would say that it has uh, layers. And it's again, the most surface layer is just a balance, just general balance to balance yourself. Then if you go deeper to reconnect with your deeper self, to reunite, because yoga from Sanskrit, it's union, a union. So union with what? First of all, with yourself, you integrate yourself because we are so much disintegrated. And that's, it gives us the system, the science. It's a science. Yoga is a science. It's not something shallow. So it gives us techniques to integrate back our body, mind, spirit. And then on the higher level, on the deepest level, when you're connected back to yourself, to your core, to your inner self then to reconnect with some higher energies to get connected to get recharged with that but that's we're not going into those high spheres yet basically it's a connection it's a union from from union with yourself to union with god so we keep it simple
1: Yeah, yeah. And also, Max, at this point, I'd love to ask you too about yoga in Montenegro. I know you've mentioned your studio. You've mentioned you have a lot of tourists coming through. But can you walk us through a bit more about what yoga in Montenegro is like today and what it was like in the past to maybe where you see it going in the future? But I'd love to get the a big picture painted yeah. about yoga in
0: Montenegro. Sure, yeah, let's get away from India and Indian classical <laughs> yoga techniques to our country because, yeah, Montenegro is a beautiful um, country. It's a small and quite often people even don't know it exists especially in the States somewhere, or like sometimes people ask, is it in Africa somewhere or in Latin America? It's a part of former Yugoslavia, the most peaceful part. It used to be a resort for many years, for centuries. And it's on the sea, but it also has mountains. And my my personal site is called Monta Yoga. Monta here is not just Montenegro. Montenegro is also like Montenegro, the Black Mountains. And Monta here means mountain, like mountain yoga. So it's both our like country in the beginning, but also mountain yoga, because real yoga was done for centuries in the mountains, like Himalayan yoga tradition, which I was able to touch through my teachers. That's the deepest and longest tradition alive, because for not just centuries but for thousands of years people were living in himalayas practicing and here also i'm not saying montenegrins were practicing yoga but the environment is very natural for the practice actually it's a great place for a retreat for i love practicing in my studio myself i think it's one of the best places to for practice because it's outdoor with a roof with all equipment but with the view on the sea, on the mountains, and we're in harmony here with all five elements. When you feel the, these elements, it's not just a concept. You really feel it. Earth, uh, water, air, fire, and space, obviously. It's a very special pra- place for practice. And I cannot say that it's Montenegrins are yogis. It became more popular with the uh, local residents. But again, we are very seasonal here and a lot of tourists come. And in our studio, for example, I have many people from big cities, like from New York, from London, from Paris, from Berlin, quite many from all over, even Tokyo sometimes, from all over the world, but also locals as well. And now more locals join, more Montenegrins practice, which I'm happy about. Because even like 10 or 15 years ago, when I say I teach yoga, they would say, oh, no, thank you, I'm Christian. <laughs> so it would be funny, like for them, it would be some kind of shamanic things or something, a lot of misconceptions before. And now it became trendy here. Now we have in the capital, we have many studios in Podgorica, that's the capital. But also here on the shore, I'm based near quarter, that's a UNESCO town quite beautiful, like medieval town with a lot of Italian architecture. It used to be part of Italy, of Venice Republic before. Obviously, we have a lot of tourists during the season. But even all year around, I teach not just in the studio. I also teach with, with some big hotels, also with Porta Montenegro. That's a luxury development. And they got a sports club there. Before we were speaking about the real yoga, it's not, don't take me wrong, I'm not teaching esoterics and <laughs> and all kind of tantra and all that. I do teach that, but I do teach that only to selected students, to very few who is ready for that. Generally, and what's practiced more, it's more like hatha yoga and vinyasa flow and this kind of what people ask, what people know. And and when you come for a vacation, you don't need to go into depth of all these uh, concepts and doing kind of like advanced practices. I never do it in my general class. I would try to work with the general balance to help people enjoy themselves, to balance the whole system, to unlock, unblock a little bit, and just to enjoy. Yes, Ananda. And again, if you are in a harmonic setting like we are, It's much easier to achieve Ananda. It's much easier to enjoy. than, for example, I have like people coming from New York and they used to this. I've been living in New York myself, by the way. So I know (laughs) they come from all these really tight spaces where they do yoga elbow to elbow because the rent is high in Manhattan. And here we have much more space, much more open. So it's people enjoy coming, especially from big cities.
1: Beautiful. I love how you have painted that picture. And that's what I was looking for, right? <laughs> the painted picture of Yoga in Montenegro. Yes. It sounds absolutely beautiful. And I love that your studio has an outdoor element to it, covered, which is perfect because yoga and direct sunlight is tough and not always good for you. But love that it's covered. It sounds beautiful. So for those of our listeners who... Very interested now in all that you said. Can you tell us about Montenegro in general? What is your country known for? Maybe you can talk about the geography or the history, anything that you want.
0: In general, Montenegro is a small and beautiful country, and it has the history, it has the sea, it has the mountains. And actually, one of the slogans of country is wild beauty, because it's quite unspoiled. There is not much production here, even during Yugoslavian times, which were quite short. But even before, it was always a place to go for vacation. Definitely no big industries here. And if you read again, Hatha Yoga Pradipika, it starts with that a yogi should find a quiet and peaceful place where nobody will be disturbing him. So this is, it very much corresponds with our settings here. And it also has a very deep an ancient history here, coming from Roman Empire, and also later for many centuries we were part of Venice Republic. It was a trade republic, and Montenegrins were famous captains doing a post deliveries, a mail. So it was mail ships and courier service, like in mid centuries, done by Montenegrins. They were fastest captains in the world, actually. So there is a lot of marine history, but also a lot of be- beauty in the mountains as well. And it's only like a couple of hours of ride and you change the scenery completely. You go from the shore, from olive trees and palms. You go to wide forests, mountain lakes, much cooler. Really nice for practice as well, by the way. And I hope to develop a yoga studio there in that region as well because it's so beautiful there. Also, the area of my country I, when, where I am, near Kotor, you can Google Kotor, is a beautiful UNESCO town. This part was also a long time under um, Austro-Hungarian Empire. It was part of Austro-Hungary. It was also like some war history here during World War One. But now it's really peaceful and beautiful and just a lot of development as well, but they try to keep this development like controlled and especially where i am boka katorska that's the bay of Kotor. it's really wide and deep bay like a fjord like norwegian fjord in a way going deep inside in the continent and it's protected by unesco so it's thank god we don't have that much development here the nature is preserved wow
1: I love that the nature's preserved. It sounds just stunning. Everything you keep telling me makes me want to go. (laughs) And so, Max, for our listeners who maybe want to reach out to you, learn more about you, or follow up on something that you said in the podcast, I'm going to link your website and your social media accounts in the show notes, as well as on my website, wildyogatribe.com slash yoga in Montenegro. But would you like to share here on the podcast audio part itself? What's your website?
0: Yeah, sure. It's monteyoga.com and also our studio, yogaboka.com as well. Yoga Boka is like yoga and Boka Boka Katorska. That's the Bay of Kota. So it's yogaboka.com and monteyoga.com. If somebody is uh, interested, I have few courses w- which I do, which developed from my workshops. My main course is uh, Kriya Raja Yoga. That's more like deep yoga. And usually I accept people only who already been doing some yoga before, not from the scratch. Also, I teach a course from yoga to meditation, linking asana and more physical practice to meditative techniques and practices and showing the yogic approach to meditation. The third one I do also like yoga and tantric philosophy as well. It's more like theory, mostly for yoga teachers. It's not that much advertised. I should put some information on that. So if people are interested, they might send me, write to me and I'll respond. So just writing on WhatsApp or on email, it works best for me. Perfect.
1: I will be happy to share those websites, as I mentioned, on my website too. So Max, it has been such a joy to be with you. I've had so much fun getting to know more about your story, and also all your thoughts around yoga and real yoga. So thank you so much for being with me here today.
0: Thank you, Lily. It was a pleasure. I hope I didn't put too much information for people and not overwhelm them with all this like more professional yogic thoughts. (laughs) So Mm. mm, I hope it's okay, and it's not too much. And it was a pleasure. Yeah, it was nice to be with you and to share. Because that's basically, let me put it in the end, that's how I see myself as a teacher. That's a very uh, traditional approach to teaching yoga. I see myself only as a tool passing this, yo- this knowledge through. Not as a famous expert, Max Pranich, doing teaching. I have been discipled to many great teachers and they've been passing this, their knowledge through the lineage. That's very important in classical and traditional yoga, you have a lineage and you feel this lineage behind you. My teacher was an instrument, a tool to pass this knowledge. And I also try just to pass it by and I don't create some new stuff. I just follow what's been tested for centuries. Perfect. Thank you so much, Max. So (laughs) thank you again. It really has been a joy to be with you. Thanks, Lily. Thanks. And to all yogis, Keep going. Keep your practice. Just do the practice. Don't achieve anything.
1: Thank you for the gift of your attention today. If you feel called, please share this episode with someone who you think could benefit from it. Leaving a review would also be so appreciated. I also hope you can join me online on my website, wildyogatribe.com, or on social media. I would love to get to know you better. I would love to share with you and to hear your thoughts. Send me a DM, send me a note, get in touch. It would be great to hear from you. And as always, be well, dear one. Be well. <music>